Welcome to the inaugural episode of The Place to Be Reviews. I am Pete, the host right here with you. I am a nine-year veteran of independent professional wrestling. Uh, four and a half years on FM airwaves. A lot of time in the auto industry and a whole lot of life experience. A great big old Star Wars, Marvel, Walking Dead fan, uh, Seinfeld, The Office. You name it. That's my bag, baby. <laughs> Yeah, baby. I already busted out a, a a horrible impression within thirty seconds of starting this. So we're not off on it. We're not off on a good foot, folks. But no, really, what we are going to talk about tonight. Uh, I'm going to break this down. We're going to do some Marvel, little Star Wars news, um, and then we're going to talk a little uh, Walking Dead later on. I'm going to do uh, a segment uh, breaking down episode nine. We're going to get mini reviews. Uh, but first, we're going to start out with my least favorite topic, but it's the most prevalent, Captain Marvel. So the press basically round the March 8th, the uh, foreboding uh, forthcoming release of Captain Marvel. Uh, the press around this movie has been, um, for the most part, for actual Marvel fans, it is split. Um, but, but... Amongst those who know, those who truly appreciate what the MCU has become over the past 22 films in, uh, what, 11 years now, um, we don't want to see it ruined uh, by somebody who doesn't even, clearly just doesn't even want to be in the role. I mean, she she wants the role for activism purposes. She doesn't want the role and then being able to branch off and kind of, you know, do your do your activist thing as an offshoot of that, but no, you're going to take the role and just turn it into a feminist. It's a feminist role, um, which is what they wanted to do to Wonder Woman. But unlike Brie Larson, who looks like she smells like cat litter and uh, sweat and shame, and she hasn't washed her hair in like four months, um, I, I just, Gail Gadot is just a beautiful, classy, uh, she was an actual soldier in the IDF, so thank you for your service. Uh, that's just, and we're, they actually have the audacity to compare her. Oh, wait, here comes the, uh, Brie Larson has an Oscar. Okay, so you have an Oscar for the Tommy Wiseau movie, The Room. All right, I, I can't even begin to start to justify her getting an Oscar for that movie or... Even seeing that movie more than once is was painful. I watched it like twice, and I never want to see it again. It's like The Last Jedi. It's just something you don't want to see. So all these hit pieces have been coming out from these garbage-tier websites uh, that have the, the claim to call themselves journalists but yet have no journalistic integrity, such as one, themarysue.com. Uh, this is uh, by Rachel Leishman. It's called Men Clearly Fear Women Leading Nerd Films and... Dot, dot, dot. Good. Oh, this just makes my head hurt reading the title. But we're going to, we'll, we'll kind of break this down a little bit. Um, I'm going to read the first paragraph. And it, Do you ever see people getting angry about something and question why it's happening? Recently, that has been my experience with all the Captain Marvel discourse. I really don't see it as discourse, but rather men complaining about women getting time in their nerd culture. Looking back through history, it can be seen with Princess Leia, the female Ghostbusters, Wonder Woman, and more powerful women in cinema. 
Well, no, it hasn't, because Princess Leia has always been celebrated until the Star Wars Galaxy of Adventures uh, debacle where they made Leia basically uh, turn into a femme Nazi and basically treat Luke, Han, and Chewie like garbage um, during that one-minute short. This meant for kids, but it's basically Disney trying to rewrite history and pushing Kathleen Kennedy's feminist agenda. But that's later. I digress from the uh, train wreck that is Captain Marvel and uh, Brie, the sheet of plywood Larson. Uh, seriously, she just she you might as well just take the Captain Marvel costume and uh, take a, a what a sheet of plywood, you know, quarter inch thick, and uh, cut off a piece and put the uniform on that because that has more charisma, acting ability, personality, and uh, self awareness than Brie Larson, and it probably smells a lot better. Um, so that was the first paragraph of this article. And starting with Leia, she says, too many don't see her as a hero on the same level as her male co-stars in uh, you know, Star Wars, which is false. Um, she's just as important as an integral integral part as them. Um, so this whole this whole article is focusing on Leia. Uh, and then why do men hate Ray? Men don't hate Ray because Ray's a woman. Men hate Ray because she's a horrible character. She is the very definition of a Mary Sue. She's not undergone any struggle, faced adversity. Um, the entire Force Awakens and Last Jedi takes over the place over the course of a, a couple days. So she learned how to train basically and be the strongest Jedi in the universe in like a week. Cool story, bro. How long did it take Luke Skywalker? It sure as hell was longer than a fucking week. All right. I'm sorry that, uh, no. And Wonder Woman was met with men screaming about how she'd never be stronger than male superheroes, which is false. Um, I'm sure there's a small, there might've been a small number, but anybody who actually knows anything about Wonder Woman knows how powerful Wonder Woman is. Um, she's just as every bit, if not stronger than Superman. So no, there's no complaint there um, because she's a time tested and celebrated uh, superhero or heroine um, and has been celebrated through the years and portrayed by one of the most classy women, Linda Carter uh, and still beautiful. And then uh, Gail Gadot, of course, in, uh, Batman vs. Superman, uh, Justice League, and the Wonder Woman film, and she was amazing. Of course, I might be a little bit partial, but hey, you know what? That's all right. That's all right. I'm not, I'm not shilling, but and she goes on to say, and now we have Captain Marvel. For the first time in 10 years, we're getting a superhero film in the Marvel Cinematic Universe led by a woman. And that means Twitter is a minefield of men calling Brie Larson loudmouth Larson and claiming that her devotion to equality in the press for the film and the future of her character is what's going to tank the movie, even though it's currently on track to be a box office success. Well, no, the fuck it's not. <laughs> All right, you started out. The projections at 180 million, and now we're all the way down to possibly to 100 million, 80 million, and this has been reported on by scores of other YouTube channels um, and podcasts along the way. So this to me is just absolutely asinine, uh, projecting feminist views um, at the expense of the reality of this movie is divisive in nature. But Brie Larson has done nothing but try to divide the fan base with her garbage. Uh, it started back with a wrinkle in time. I don't need the opinion of some 40-year-old white dude telling me what didn't work for him about a wrinkle of time, a wrinkle in time, okay? I want to know what a black girl thought, or I want to know what blah, blah, blah. I was like, oh, my God. Um, okay, so the fact that there is not more diversity in um, film critics and film reviewing is not 
because of somebody gatekeeping. It's because of a lack of interest in that field by a vast majority of women of color or women in general. And if it's not, then they're certainly free to pursue a career in that. Um, it's the year 2019. I'm sorry. Um, this this isn't the women's suffrage uh, movement again. Um, nobody's telling you that you can't be a film critic if you want to be a film critic, Brie Larson. Uh, but somebody should have told you that you shouldn't have been an actress um, because I have a feeling that all you do is bleed your personality into your roles. Um, because you in interviews is not much different except you sound like a 10-year-old when you do your little... I'm so much better than you, giggle. And by the way, your tribute to Stan Lee was disgusting and narcissistic. Uh, actually, it was like you are the poster child for narcissism. So let's see. What does all of this history mean? It doesn't matter what the history means because uh, Captain Marvel, as a, as a comic book, used to be Miss Marvel, the colluded history with Shazam and all that. We're not getting into that right now. Um, but... In the last, what, let's see, Captain Marvel has been rebooted five times in the last seven years. The comic book. That's that's not saying that they're doing so well that they have all these different series running. That's saying we start a new series. Oh, shit, it didn't sell. We're going to just restart it over at number one so it looks like a relaunch because the numbers, the numbers will be a little bit higher in a relaunch than they would at an ongoing story that's just continuing to drop, 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 and they're not selling books, and comic shops have them sitting on shelves, rotting, and they're not selling. This is why comic shops are going out of business. Yeah, so Captain Marvel is, I mean, it, it could come out, and it could shock me. It could surprise me. It could set the earth on fire, and what uh, Wonder Woman made was $821 million. I, Do I think it'll beat that? I don't, I don't, there's no way I can say for sure. I'm not an expert at this. Um, I don't do box office projections. I'm just kind of going off of what I've been reading and researching on my own. But I mean, it, it could it beat it? It could, absolutely. Will it? I, I don't think so. The way this is, like I said, it's it's being marketed and it's already has a kind of fail safe in case it does bomb that Endgame is released, what, 49 days after um Captain Marvel, so the uh, the shills and everybody, the defenders, and they'll all sit. You know the Rachel Leishmans that write these <laughs> joke of an article that doesn't even have correct grammar in some spots or punctuation. Um, you know the Scott Mendelsons, people like that. They're they're going to shill for the movie. They're always going to, but they're going to say if it doesn't do well, well, it's because people waited to see Endgame, not because Captain Marvel isn't important. God, didn't you hear Brie in the interview? She said she could beat Thanos and he was kind of shrimpy. What we need is we need this deal so uh, Marvel can have the X-Men property and develop Rogue. And uh, in the next Avengers movie, hopefully everything will be cleared up by then. And they can have Rogue come in and just like slap a chokehold on Captain Marvel and put her in a coma. So we don't have to see Brie Larson ever again. And that's what they can do right there because Brie Larson did sign a seven-picture deal with Marvel, which is astounding. To She hasn't even been in one yet. Hasn't even hit the box off. You know, hasn't even hit the theaters yet. And uh, they're already, already <laughs> anointed her to a seven-picture deal. Uh, I think she makes it through maybe three. That's, that's my projection. Um, and you've got this other article here. Uh, I'm going to go to that, but I'm going to keep talking about Captain Marvel while this loads. Um, 
it's just it's ridiculous like i said this built-in fail safe if, if the movie doesn't do well you're automatically going to blame it on Endgame because that's coming out so close and they should have done this kind of like solo when in fact it wasn't the fact that solos it wasn't star wars fatigue like the shills would have you believe it was the fact that solo was a shitty 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 movie it was not good there's there's nothing redeeming about um what's his name the uh the generic uh generic vanilla bean they had play han solo alden ehrenreich uh, have you heard about any upcoming projects for Alden Ehrenreich? No, that that wasn't anything wrong with your feed. That was crickets, metaphorically, because there is none. Um, you know, he had uh, Khaleesi in there from uh, <laughs> Game of Thrones that was his girlfriend that consistently made him look like an idiot at every turn. Um, you know, Han just got the short end of the stick at every every avenue in that movie and then they they go in and they put darth maul in there and he's the head of the shadow collective and this is supposed to you know the little stupid nostalgia bugs were everywhere in there but i didn't get bit i it was a, it was a horrible movie i've never watched a star wars movie outside of wait that's right the last jedi the force awakens and now solo where i've been looking at my watch and the only one of those i saw in the theater was The Last Jedi, which I regret, but I did not pay for my ticket. Uh, a co-worker said, hey, let's go see it. And at that point when Last Jedi came out, I hadn't watched Rogue One yet. I hadn't watched The Force Awakens yet because I was resistant initially to Disney buying Star Wars. I wasn't a fan of it. I, I just... I just didn't think it was going to be good for Star Wars. I thought it was just better left the way it was. Um, you know, the Clone Wars cartoon was, I, I liked that. I didn't want to see any more movies though at that point. So I went to see The Last Jedi and it was terrible. And I will tell that story another time, but I'm getting sidetracked from the Captain Marvel talk. Um, let's see here. So we go to another article on the Mary Sue here written by Chelsea Steiner. I wonder if she's as good as Matthew Scott Steiner. Uh, her co it must be her cousin or something. And you know, and Kurt Angle knows, he's only got a 33.3%. I'm not even going to go into the Scott Steiner math. It says, angry men flood Rotten Tomatoes to bash Captain Marvel ahead of release. The upcoming film is getting review bombed by men who can't handle a female superhero. Though it won't hit theaters for another three weeks. Captain Marvel is already being review bombed on Rotten Tomatoes. These reviews aren't from critics or journalists, but angry, impotent men flooding the audience reviews with their anger. What are they angry about? So many things. Oh my God! I'm going to write an article, um, on a on a, a website called the Sari Moo, and it's going to be uh, all about men and men's issues, and we're going to bash women all day and say how toxic women are. Wait, no, no, we're not. We're not going to do that because we're not misogynists. Um, we just don't like being talked down to when men, and I, I'm not even going as far as to include and just say like breeded white men. I'm going to say all men. <laughs> Trust me, men love strong women. If a man doesn't love a strong woman, then he's not really a man. I'm sorry, you're not. Uh, because you, as, as a man, you want to have somebody who is you know, supportive and they've got your back. They've got your back is the most important thing. You you don't want this, like, you know, I, I don't want a damsel in distress. I'm sorry. I, I don't. I don't want that. You know, I want a strong woman. That's that's what you like. That's uh, that you compliment each other. You know, that's that's the thing. And that's what these these whammen, 
gotta respect women. You know, you don't respect women. You're a racist, sexist, bigot, homophobe, misogynistic. You know, that's, uh, no, they're totally off base here. It's just, this is akin to like a, it's just a, a, a virtual soapbox. So the next paragraph goes on to say, men are shouting from basements all across the land about Brie Larson, her feminism and liberal politics, and how Captain Marvel is an SJW film. And arg, women, I hate them. Why won't they love me? Sidebar, I still don't get how social justice warrior is an insult. Like, those are all good qualities, and it's basically a superhero name. If anybody needs someone to write a social justice warrior origin story, call me okay this this author um she's never going to win a pulitzer prize um but i mean she can basically go fuck herself at this point i'm sorry uh excuse my language but she's an idiot i'm not sitting in a basement i'm sitting in a uh, a room of my house and uh this is my little recording area so i'm not in a basement miss steiner and i'm sure you are a ms that owns about 20 cats Um, The point of this kind of review bombing campaign is to drag down the average audience rating to discourage folks from seeing the film. In some instances, it works, like with the Ghostbusters 2016, which suffered from massive downvoting of the trailer on YouTube, as well as a rush of one-star IMDb reviews. The film even added a scene featuring Ghostbusters reading a nasty internet comments about themselves in a moment of meta-awareness. Okay, Ghostbusters 2016 wasn't a bad movie because of Russian bots. It wasn't trolls. It wasn't angry men that hated women. It was a fucking disaster of a movie with horrible, horrible cast. Uh, Leslie Jones is as funny as anal warts. Kate McKinnon is basically irrelevant outside of anybody who watches Saturday Night Live. And I don't know anybody who watches that trash. Um, Melissa McCarthy... Uh, she's had like what two funny movies um and both of them were awkward fat girl falls over uh and then the tv show mike and molly whatever didn't watch it um and then you have uh Kristen wig who is the only one out of all four of them who i actually have enjoyed anything she's been in and like her work at all um i think Kristen wig's legitimately funny um the the rest of the the movie was garbage the story was stupid they dumbed down every male character in there of course it was written by what's his name uh paul feig who is a male feminist which automatically means you should just go waterboard yourself into unconsciousness um yeah male feminist i'm sorry you're dude Let me just be honest with you. Male feminism is not going to get you laid, bro. It's not because uh, feminists don't want effeminate males. Feminists say they don't need no man, but then they deep down secretly want the alpha male. That's that's just the way they are. They they fight it and they resist it and they eject it, but deep down they do because they just do. That's the way it happens. It's it's like that Seinfeld episode where uh, Stifler's mom played Jerry's girlfriend. Um, I can't think of the actress's name. She'll always be Stifler's mom. She was a masseuse, and uh, George was going overboard to try to get her to like him, and once he found out she hated him, he went even further to try to get her to like him. (laughs) And he even went so far as when Jerry broke up with her to tell Jerry, I have to go after her. A woman that hates me this much comes along once in a lifetime. So that's the way male feminine, or that's the way feminists are. They just, yeah, they don't want to admit it, but they, they're just, they're horrible. They're just horrible people anyway. Third wave purple haired male, or third wave purple haired feminist land whales. Like, like the kind of women that are going to go see Captain Marvel. 
Uh, let's see. Other films subjected to anger review, bombing, and toxic fandom were Star Wars The Last Jedi. That was a shitty movie. Nothing to do with sexism or racism. It was just a shitty movie. Black Panther. Um, see, that was the thing. I can I can say Black Panther. I didn't really have any issues with um, other than the abject use of colonizers. Like, come on, man. Like, don't pander. Um, and the fact that they turned it into, like, this cultural event, like, uh, like um, Wakanda is some kind of real fucking place. Um, it's not. Uh, it's a fictional place made up by an old white Jewish guy. Uh, so, yeah, it's uh, that's what it is. But, I mean, I'm not taking away the fact that it, it was an accomplishment. It was it was a good movie. Uh, it was a good MCU movie. It was not better than Captain America Winter Soldier. It was not better than Iron Man 2. Um, I don't care what the box office says. It just wasn't. It wasn't better than Iron Man. It's not better than Captain America. It's not better than any of the Thor movies. Um, it's not better than Ant-Man. Uh, maybe Ant-Man. Maybe. I, I I liked it, but it the CGI was bad. Uh, the story wasn't the greatest. Um, and just the entire... I'm going to get into a breakdown of the Black Panther. Um, because I just... I'm getting way off topic here. I was on Captain Marvel, and I've kind of covered a, an entire spectrum here. Um, but so they're talking about review bombing. Uh, while neither film suffered at the box office. Both films, girl story, whatever, whatever. Um, okay, so this is just her ranting... Um, and then of course the, the comments, let's see. Oh, somebody calls her out and says, that's a straight up lie. You can't actually review movies on Rotten Tomatoes before they're released. So it's absurd to claim there's anything close to review bombing. What you have are a few hundred people saying they're not interested in the movie due to Brie Larson's comments. Well, everything, it's not review bombing. They're actually not reviewing the movie. The film still has 78% interest in score. And there's only about 5,000 comments all in all. So we're talking about barely more than a thousand guys including a fair number of bots probably there we go with the bots even if you assume they're all trolls yep there we go see i mean there it is it's just it's it's already starting it's already starting with captain marvel so this movie is going to be an abject dumpster fire um and they're going to do everything and anything in their power to uh to kind of salvage anything they can um, and this, this thing will kind of limp into the barn and then everybody will forget about it. Um, just like Thanos snaps his fingers and Captain Marvel would disappear. That would be fantastic. But no, we're going to see her end game. And so help me God, if, they, if, if Captain Marvel comes in and just like cleans house on Thanos just out of nowhere, um, after all these other characters building this universe, um, I would rather see it be Scarlet Witch uh, for him killing Vision. Um, but, you know, we got to have Captain SJW. So that's all for Captain Marvel right now. We're going to kind of segue into the next topic here, which uh, let's let's do let's do a Walking Dead mini review before I get back into something that's going to want to make me uh, take a spork and gouge my eyes out, which is Star Wars. So here we are, The Walking Dead Season 9, Episode 9, Adaptation. Now, I originally had an in-depth 9, nine or 10-page um, review written of this, but we're going to do the abridged version right now uh, because my Captain Marvel segment ran a little bit long as I tend to go off on rants from time to time. But so we start off in the graveyard scene. This is post-Jesus' death. Uh, you got Daryl machine, uh, machine. Michonne is a killing machine. Uh, Eugene with his dislocated knee. Magna, Yumiko, Aaron. Uh, they're trying to get Jesus' body out. Um, they're standing amidst a flurry of walkers and whispers. Uh, they kill about four to five whispers in this scene. Um, this is in the process of escaping. 
And the cool thing about this was the very end scene where Daryl locks the gate when they're leaving and you see the walkers all pressed against the gate and you see that whisper <clears throat> and the hand just slides down and unlocks the gate, uh, freeing all those walkers, and those whispers in there, which is just really, really a cool way to start the show because then you go into the uh, the opening credits. Uh, then you have Negan's escape from Alexandria. Uh, he's wandering around, you know, and I was kind of wondering why he's he's wandering around so freely. There's no no guards, no security, uh, no sentries. It's it was just it was kind of funny. Um, <clears throat> so I didn't really I didn't really understand how he was just walking around. Um, with literally un, un, unfettered, unbothered. There's no, there's no security presence at all. So, you know, the six-year time jump, you know, it would, it would kind of lead you to believe that they become a little lax. But you can see as the episode progresses, it's it, not so much in Alexandria because we didn't really get much in Alexandria uh, aside from that quick uh, scene with Negan and Judith here uh, because she catches him climbing up the wall and um you know she's got the colt python which she effortlessly aims at him um you know it, it, they have their little bit of dialogue you know she what does she say she says i thought you were smarter than this i guess not you know and negan kind of gives her that grin you know he's got this compass around uh his uh his neck that he took uh when he was walking around and he went into uh hers and michonne and uh, rj's house and she, you know, asked him, were you in my room? And he said, do you want it back? And, you know, she says, no, you'll need it more than I will. And she tells him, you know, there's nothing out there for you. And he says, I, you know, he basically wants to find out for himself, but he promises not to hurt anybody, even if they're trying to hurt him. So, but she tells him, if I see you again, I'll shoot. And he agrees and he, he makes his exit. Then, uh, we cut, uh, we cut to Luke as Luke is, Coming out of the Barrington house, first thing in the morning, Luke played by Dan Fogler, who I loved in Balls of Fury. Uh, it's one of my favorite offbeat comedies. Um, <clears throat> and he's looking for something to do, sign of a purpose, uh, Hilltop. And he happens across um, Tara, Marco, Enid, Alden, and uh, DJ, the savior that became a very prominent uh, member of the Hilltop. Kind of Maggie's number two when she was still there. Um, he's, he's obviously uh, a big help uh with the hilltop as kind of a uh, a, a sage bit of wisdom uh tactical and uh security um would be this man's specialty uh, i guess um, but they're discussing a search party to look for michonne's group uh, because they've been gone for quite some time now uh, they haven't returned uh, so luke pitches his services you know two-hand luke and uh, alden agrees to take him with him so then we rejoin uh, Michonne, Daryl, Dog, Eugene, Magna, Yumiko, Aaron, and Jesus' body in tow on one of the horses as they're making their way back to the <clears throat> hilltop. So Michonne and Daryl have this moment where they're discussing how the return uh, home with Jesus' body will mean a lot and help them move forward. And uh, Daryl apologizes for not being able to find Rick. Uh, and Michonne apologizes for the same and thanks Daryl for after um, and makes a point of emphasis on that, which I think is alluding to the uh, X scars that Daryl and Michonne have on their backs. Um, we don't really know what those are from yet. I imagine we're going to get that uh, in an upcoming episode. Um, 
which is going to be really cool because that's obviously something that happened during the time jump. Uh, the speculation has been that they ran a follow of a group uh, called, I think it was the Highwaymen, but I haven't really looked that deep into the spoilers. Um, so that's, uh, that's, that's coming down the pipe. Um, so they have, they have a tighter bond. You can tell now they kind of hold hands as they're walking away. You know, uh, Daryl comes his hand on my shoulder and she kind of covers it. You know, it's just the gesture of friendship, nothing more than that. But those two are, uh, they're just great characters. And I was really sad to hear that Denai Guerrero was uh, going to be leaving the show, but, um, I believe she's going over to do the movies. Uh, they're going to do, uh, uh, reunite her with Rick. Um, and of course she's got Black Panther 2 coming out. So Denai Guerrero is very busy, uh, very successful, and very wonderful actress. I really couldn't say anything bad about her. So from there, um, our group uh, goes, they are on a covered bridge. Um, <clears throat> as they see some walkers are kind of following them. So given that they know that there are people wearing um, these walker skin masks, as they found out in the cemetery, uh, it kind of leads them to uh, take some extra precautions in their tactics. Uh, so they approach this covered bridge, and there's a group of walkers kind of greeting them. So they're very wary of their presence of the whispers. Now, they adjusted their strategy, and Daryl is at one end of the bridge and allows the walkers to approach, and he fires a bolt out of his crossbow into one of the walkers' legs to kind of see how it reacts, and he says, okay, that's a walker. So the other walker right next to it, he reloads, fires a second bolt, hits this whisper right in the leg. He yells, drops down three walkers immediately. <clears throat> Just swarm him, start eating him. So there's two walkers left, and they turn around and try to go out the opposite side of the bridge because they're both whisperers. Um, Magna and Yumiko come in and take out these three walkers with Daryl. Michonne is standing at the other side of the bridge. So one of the whisperers is just going to draw down on Michonne with like a knife, and she's standing there with a katana. Um, I don't care how tough you are. Uh, you see this woman is obviously showing no signs of fear whatsoever with this katana, um, as she showed in the cemetery. Um, you're going to draw on her with like basically what's akin to a pocket knife. It is absolute insanity but and overconfidence, but he just gets eviscerated. Um, and then uh, the last whisperer surrenders, throws her hands up in the air, drops her knife. Uh, she's unmasked. And this is where we meet Lydia. So she's on her knees begging for her life. Daryl and Michonne are kind of looking at her mask and <clears throat> questioning her, you know, how many are in your group? And Lydia is insisting that they're all dead. Michonne obviously doesn't believe her, uh, puts her katana to her neck, and Lydia does, still doesn't answer. So, and they see another group of walkers approaching those. So they blindfold her and decide to take her back to Hilltop, uh, which is obviously a risky decision because you're, you know, these people are obviously organized. They have a strategy. Um, and you're taking a prisoner knowing that they're following you. So that's, that's, that's a, that's a toughie, as they say. So Negan's journey now, we're back, uh, and he is, uh, going through the woods, you know, he's not very many supplies. He stops to rest, uh, sees this lone walker kind of comes alongside the van he's sitting in. He goes around, slices its face off with a shovel. Great scene. Then steps back, conks it on the head, kills it. Steps back, it's grabbed by another walker, which is actually uh, charred up, and he steps forward, pulls it off. It falls on his supply bag. Uh, this walker was actually played by a uh, 
I believe was a paraplegic actor, which The Walking Dead is a habit of hiring them to play these kind of walkers, which is really awesome. Because um, it, it, that's, that's the kind of diversity and inclusion that is seamless and perfect and not forced and natural. Uh, that's the one thing I really like about the cast. Um, it is very, very, it's, it's gone up and down with its diversity, but it's never seemed forced. It's always seemed organic um, to me anyway. And that's one thing I've always appreciated about this show is it really doesn't get preachy. Um, about that sort of thing. It just maintains that level ground of it. it's the apocalypse and that sort of thing really doesn't matter, nor should it. Um, you know, as far as, you, you know, it is what it is. You know, there's going to be certain amounts of people in certain different areas. So it, it's just where everybody ended up migrating and who's left and who survived. So we, Negan, this walker falls on his uh, bag of supplies, which is just like a little kind of uh, reusable grocery bag, crushes everything. He cuts the walker's head off, and uh, then he's kind of walking through a forest again. He starts drinking out of his creek, and that obviously makes him sick. So when he stops to throw up, they pan up at the spot he's in, which is the exact spot from Season 7, uh, Episode 1, with uh, where we found out who he killed. You know, it was uh, the last episode of uh, Season uh, 6 was the uh, lineup episode. So we're right back in that spot. Um, and... You know, that was just kind of a neat little callback. He kind of looks around. Uh, we go back, and we're at Hilltop with Daryl, Michonne, Magna, Yumiko, Aaron. They get back with Jesus' body, and Lydia's a prisoner. Everyone's shaken up uh, because of this. And uh, Tara now has to assume the leadership role after Jesus' death. Uh, so they are, uh, Daryl and Michonne take uh, Tara. They take Lydia down to a cell. They're trying to interrogate her. They're getting nothing out of her. Um, Michonne yells at her, you know, no more bullshit which is all Lydia was feeding him. So then we go back to Negan. Uh, he's kind of strolling through this little town area. He finds this men's uh, menswear store called Express Yourself Menswear. And below it, aptly, the title reads, Become the Man You Were Meant to Be, which is kind of a nod to, uh, I would say, Negan's redemption arc. And um, also, when he goes inside the store, he finds a leather goods section, obviously, and gets himself a new leather coat. Uh, it's a nice little uh, change up from the uh, original black leather he had. Um, kind of the smaller collar look, but uh, looks good on JDM anyway. So uh, then he's uh, he's accosted uh, and happened upon by a pack of dogs, which he hides from <clears throat> on top of a shelf. He gets out of the store. Uh, as he's running towards the exit, we have that moment, the hallway. Uh, he gets the exits locked. He bangs, bangs, bangs the door. The dog comes running down the hall. He gets the door open. Walker comes in, eats the dog. Negan closes the door, and uh, he leaves. Then uh, we join up with Alden and Luke searching. They find a uh, trail. Uh, well, they find one of uh, Yumiko's arrows. So they are kind of following this uh, trail. And, they, you know, they killed a couple walkers. Uh, then they see a herd, but they decide to keep uh, looking because they want to find out if this trail of arrows is going to go anywhere or not, which they're you know, just kind of out in these woods area, but like I said, they, it's either they get stuck there for the night, or they, and they keep looking, or they go back, and, you know, they didn't want to leave their, their comrades stranded, so they kept looking, which later on is, we're going to find out it's going to come back and bite them in the ass, um, the decisions these people make are questionable at best sometimes, but it's a, uh, it's all plot device, so <clears throat> we just kind of have to roll with it. You know, obviously, you, you always put yourself in that position, what would I do? And it's it's very easy to 
be an armchair quarterback in that situation. But we've all done it, and we all do it. So it's one of the fun things about this show. Uh, so Michonne and Terry have Liddy in a chair. Daryl's uh, kind of watching from the outside. They're trying to get her to give information. She's crying and just lying, changing her story, changing numbers. And Daryl questions her about the skin masks. And Henry's listening, and he kind of yells and gets told to shut up. And, you know, they're not believing anything she says. But uh, so they leave and uh, leave her in the cell. And Michonne says, you know, we'll do this tomorrow, but it's going to have to be without me because she needs to get back to Alexandria, warn her people about what's going on. So Tara thanks her for being there, and this kind of uh, heals the rift. There was an obvious rift between Michonne and the folks at the hilltop. So <clears throat> this was stemming from something that uh, probably took place during the time jump that we'll, we'll find out about uh, later on in some backstory. Um, I don't know. I don't think they're going to do... Uh, any straight up bottle episodes I, I, in the second half? I, I don't see, I don't know. Um, but I, I could see kind of something like that with the X's maybe being like a Daryl and Michonne kind of bottle type episode, which I wouldn't mind. Um, but we'll, we'll kind of see where that goes. Um, Daryl tells Michonne he'll get Lydia to talk. Uh, Michonne says if he doesn't, he knows what he has to do, which is basically kill her. Uh, then we go to the infirmary at the Hilltop. Sadiq and, uh, is resetting uh, Eugene's leg. Rosita's there. Uh, Sadiq leaves to get some painkillers or something for Eugene. He starts to profess his feelings uh, to Rosita. She runs out and vomits. This leads Sadiq to follow her out. And uh, she says that he, she doesn't need any help. And he insists on some tests. She says, no, I'm pregnant. And I'm pretty sure it was from when we were having fun before Gabriel. So, yep, Rosita's pregnant, kind of following the arc of the comics. Uh, leading up to the fair where, spoiler alert, um, for those of you behind in the comics, Rosita is, uh, has her head cut off by Alpha and her head is one of the heads put on the pike along with uh, King Ezekiel and a host of others. So they were killed at the fair. Um, <clears throat> so Daryl and Henry are at the gravesite. Um, they're kind of talking about the trouble Henry got in. Uh, Henry basically just says that he wants to fit in at the hilltop. He wants to find where he fits in because he knew who he was at the kingdom. Here he's not so sure. Uh, we go back. Negan's get, uh, he's got to the sanctuary. It's run down. You know, I mean, there's nothing there basically that's of any value. It, everything's beat up. Uh, there's a scene with him sitting in his old conference room. Um, he sees a walker, which is a savior, um, uh, named Big Richie, who we've never seen before to my recollection. Um, but he says, you know, thanks him for sticking around. And before that, he found a motorcycle uh, hidden behind a wall. He kind of hammered through a wall. And you can tell there was a food uh, supply back there. But that was all um, basically garbage at that point. Um, so then we, uh, we see Aaron's helping Michonne uh, load the wagon. Uh, Michonne and Daryl are kind of talking. Daryl shows up. And they're talking about how Alden and Luke aren't back yet. Michonne reiterates the point that Daryl knows what he has to do with a girl. And he asks, why is it even up to me? Michonne replies, because you're the best judge of character I know. Which is really true uh, about Daryl's character. Um, he's very, very, very good at uh, spotting people out for their, their bullshit. Um, that's what I really like. Norman Reedus has really, really um, taken the role of Daryl and turned it into something that is is just he's he's a great actor i really respect him more after seeing him uh in all these seasons of the walking dead um michonne tells 
Daryl that without Jesus and Maggie, the hilltop needs him. And that their new leader, Tara, does as well, which is very true. Tara is a character who I thought her arc had come for uh, full circle a couple seasons ago. But she keeps hanging on, and I like a lot of Masterson. So, And I dig what they're doing with Tara now. They need to make her a little more assertive, which they kind of did in episode 10. Which is, that review is coming up uh, in tomorrow's episode. But Negan is uh, standing outside the sanctuary. And we go back to him, kind of looking as Big Richie's kind of pounding at the door underneath him. Um... He's pacing, he goes into his old conference room, you know, sits at the table like he used to with all his little lieutenants. He goes back, sets up some furniture in the main common area, kind of makeshift living space. Uh, then he goes to this exterior door and he sees Richie wandering away. So he goes out and he, in Negan fashion, damn big Richie, really thought we had something going on here. And, you know, he kills five walkers, gets Richie to come back to the door and leaves him outside, you know, because Negan kind of needs people to need him and he knows Big Richie wants to eat him, so he needs him. That's what Negan needs to be, have people follow him, and this is what he's got with this walker. Um, so he walks away and he goes back and Richie's banging and groaning and Negan stops and looks at his compass and sees the JG, Judas Grimes inscription, and you can tell he knows that he's got to go back to Alexandria at this point. So he opens the door, lets Big Richie in, and says, sorry, big man, this just ain't working out, and just kills him. And that's where we leave Negan there. Uh, then we're at Jesus' funeral. Uh, you see him putting nails in his coffin. Uh, we pan around to uh, Tammy Rose and Enid at this point. And Daryl just kind of leaves the question. Lydia, he's demanding who she, to know who she is. Uh, Henry interjects. Daryl tells him to be quiet. Lydia, he just straight up asks Lydia if she wants to die, slams her against the cell wall. He's got the big knife right in her face, wants to know how many people are in her group, and she continues lying about the numbers. And she basically, you know, the short version of gives them how they live and a little bit of information about her mom. Uh, Daryl asks why the Whispers killed their people, and Lydia responds with, we were always going to kill you. That's just what people do now. Um, just kind of a little short insight into their mind there. Um, so... <clears throat> she's continuing to lie to Daryl and he's still holding her at knife point uh, about the groups. You know, wants to know the size, whereabouts, uh, more and more lies from her. And then he threatens to drag her outside and let the Hilltops residents have her. And she begs for her life. Henry tries to interject again from his cell. Daryl tells him to shut up. Finally, Daryl just locks Lydia in her cell and leaves. You think he's really just going to quit? Well, Lydia thanks Henry for saving her. He says that he had to, and she finally introduces herself after Henry tells him tells her that his name is Henry. She says, I'm Lydia. And you see them talking, and then we pan to the outside. Right out, uh, There's a window right next to their cells. It's all barred up, of course. And there sits Daryl, listening in expertly. So that was kind of a <clears throat> nice little, nice little uh, uh, shot there of Daryl. Kind of, you, know, you think uh, they're just talking. Nope, Daryl's listening. So then we go back to Negan. Uh, he's riding a motorcycle down this open stretch of road, and all of a sudden, Judith comes out, <laughs> draws her gun, sees this Negan, shoots. He he lays his bike down, and uh, he, you know, there's this. They have a cute little exchange there where he says something like "shit," and she's like, "Hey, uh, you know, watch your mouth, asshole. I'm just a kid." So he tells her basically, he's there's nothing out there. She was right. He's gonna go back to Alexandria, and he'll be fine in his ten by ten cell. And uh, so she told him, you know, there's a lot of people looking for you. He's just saying, I'm going back. So they leave them. They're going back to Alexandria. Negan's going back to his cell. 
uh, back to the hilltop lookout post. We see Magnet Enid kind of have a little conversation. Um, you know, Enid's worried uh, about Alden. Magnet tells Enid that Alden is with Luke. Luke's a survivor. Uh, he's in good hands, which is kind of scary considering we've seen how Luke acts around walkers. He's a little bit scared of him still. Uh, Alden and Luke are still searching. Uh, following this trail of Yumiko's arrows, you can see Luke has a handful, about five or six of them. You can see this lone walker start to approach. Uh, and they immediately, you can tell they're kind of on edge because it's it's not uh, it's not acting like a normal walker. Um, Luke looks at Alden, draws his hammer, says, I got it. Walker stops, kind of stares at him, just standing completely still. And you can see something is in its hand, which we know walkers don't carry anything. Not since season one, where the one threw the rock through the door at the shopping uh, shopping mall where Rick uh, went when they uh, went to the rooftop to get Merle. Um, they immediately stop, though, and these guys are startled by this. And they look around, there's all these walkers surrounding him, just standing there, not making any noise, staring at him. Finally, the first walker that just stopped, followed by eight to ten other ones, kind of just starts walking towards them, holding one of Yumiko's arrows, throws it at their feet. They take a defensive stance, and then from behind her back, she draws a sawed-off double-barreled shotgun, aims it, and says, trail ends here. And that's where we meet Alpha, and that's the end of uh, episode nine, Adaptation. I thought they did a lot of things well. Uh, I think Angela Kang has really come on in season nine and uh, made the show really, really fun. Um, again, the whispers add a great horror aspect. Um, <clears throat> I like Samantha Morton as Alpha. Um, my episode review of season 10 uh, coming tomorrow, or season 10, episode 10 will be coming tomorrow. And that is, uh, that's going to be uh, Omega is the name of that one. And we get uh, a lot more backstory on Alpha and how convoluted it actually is based upon the uh, kind of brainwashing she's used on Lydia over the years because Lydia was a small child when this started. So that's uh, that's going to close out uh, my episode 9 review of uh, The Walking Dead adaptation, season 9, episode 9. Um, and we'll be back and we're going to talk a little Star Wars. So here's the deal. Star Wars used to be something that I really enjoyed talking about all the time. Because outside of the prequel hate and some occasional hate for the Ewoks, which I, I understand. I, I've never I've never really hated on Star Wars. Never really had the the desire to just bash on Star Wars for no reason. I like the prequels. Uh, I appreciate them more now that I'm older. And I've sat down and watched all of them, um, you know, over probably 10 times each. And that's that's a conservative estimate. Um, just The Last Jedi, The Force Awakens, uh, Solo, and to some extent Rogue One. Star Wars Resistance, um, Star Wars Galaxy of Adventures, it, it, it's just trash. It's trash. Rogue One um, is the only thing that's been passable to me. And that had its issues because Felicity Jones is pretty wooden. Um, she was okay as Jyn Erso, but you didn't see kids clamoring to buy Jyn Erso action figures and dress up like Jyn Erso. Um, but she wasn't... Uh, put on a pedestal 
the way Ray was uh, and is. Um, we don't we don't care about Ray not because she's a woman but because she's a just a piss poor excuse for a character. I said it earlier in that article that compared uh, Captain Marvel to her. It's not that we have an issue with women; we have an issue with horrible female characters. And Star Wars has had Princess Leia, uh, Shakti, Luminara, Unduli, Undali. Um, you have Ayala Secura, um, Jocasta New, uh, you know, EU characters, you know, Mara Jade, uh, J Jaina Solo. I mean, you've got tons. Uh, Ahsoka Tano, did I mention her? I mean, you've, you know, Padme Amidala. Uh, you know, you've got, there's, there's a myriad of female characters that Star Wars can celebrate. And they choose to put Rey on a pedestal. Because it fits Kathleen Kennedy's agenda and narrative of feminism. Injected into Star Wars forcefully. Um, and then you have, um, you know, your male feminist directors. Uh, Ryan Johnson, who ruined Star Wars with The Last Jedi. He killed it. And today um, there's an article on, let's see here, uh, Cinema Blend, which is ugh, uh, cringy journalism. And this um, author, Corey Chichens, Chichens, Gorgonzola, we'll call him, uh, he wrote a little puff piece and said, Ryan Johnson shut down all the hate on Twitter about people uh, speculating that they pulled the plug on his trilogy with one gif. And Ryan, Jost uh, Ryan Johnson, Roundhead, Sir Ruin Johnson of the he uh, House of Roundhead, posted a gif of Donald Duck laying in bed face down and pulling a pillow over his head. One could only hope that Ryan Johnson would put a pillow over his head and then the headboard would collapse on him and then the roof would fall on it so he could never, ever, ever go near Star Wars again. That would be a best-case scenario. And in that same tsunami, uh, Kathleen Kennedy and her story group would step down, which I believe the head, uh, one of her heads of the story group might have uh, stepped down recently, which is good news. One down and the rest of them to go. And uh, we'll be absolutely happy. But episode nine, all I can say is I am a proud member of the Fandom Menace. Um, there's many communities you can get involved in uh, through YouTube and social media. We're not hateful bigots. We just like and love Star Wars. And we don't want to see it ruined with identity politics that don't need to be there. And people have always said, well, politics have always been a part of Star Wars. Not like this, they haven't. Not like this. There was never a literal purple-haired third-wave feminist um, like there was in uh, Vice Admiral Gender Studies uh, in The Last Dumpster Fire. That character, and I, I was laughing, I'm in a, a couple uh, Facebook groups, well, quite a few of uh, action figures, actually just got kicked out of one um, for a Star Wars-related post, actually. Uh, talking about The Last Jedi, I stated my points articulately, and... Uh, I posted a meme and uh, I got kicked out of the group. So I uh, 
I guess um, the ones that don't like The Last Jedi aren't the man babies after all. We just don't like shitty movies, that's all. If you took the Star Wars label off of The Last Jedi, that movie would just be some trash heap space movie that would be forgotten about and thrown away. And then to blame the backlash on trolls and then Russian bots. Everything is Russian bots. If you don't agree with it, you know, beep, beep, boop, boop, it's a Russian bot. No, I'm sorry. Some movies are just bad. And when your entire goal is to subvert expectations, Star Wars is not the place to try your hand at that, my friend. Uh, keep it with garbage movies like Looper, um, which I don't, it has a good score on Rotten Tomatoes. Uh, I don't care about the critic scores. Critic scores mean nothing because the critics are nothing more than paid shills who, if they speak out, especially against Disney, um, which we found out, uh, you get your press passes pulled, you lose your accesses to events, uh, early releases. So the shills don't want that. So the shills keep on shilling. Uh, yeah, big wheels keep on turning, big shills keep on shilling. So that's that's what's going on with Disney. Um, you know, you can't say anything bad about the House of Mouse. It's literally like that South Park episode where Mickey was beating the snot out of one of the Jonas Brothers for not wanting to wear a purity ring. That's what Disney does to these little garbage-tier journalists who are like tiny leeches or, you know, sucking off the teat of Disney for their little press passes and their accesses and all that super stuff, the, the super unreleased collectible Ray figure that'll rot on a merchandise outlet or some other uh, wholesale store shelf. Like when I was in my local wholesale store looking for a... You can always... I found a couple cool General Zod Superman figures in there. I didn't buy them because I, I don't collect them. If they're still there and when I go back, I might pick one up for my kid because he's got a lot of superheroes. Um, the Marvel and DC guys, you know, he likes them. I get them for him. But uh, I was looking in particular um, for Star Wars and... Um, they had nine or ten rays on the shelf, and that was it. All Jakku ray <laughs> for $3. And they were originally... And these were in the um, the vintage packaging as well, which were originally like $12.99. Um, so, yeah, those uh, those will probably be still be sitting there, all nine or ten of them when I go back. And uh, I'll update you on that. But So this is this is the, the, the state of Star Wars. I mean... You've got uh, fans openly calling and inciting for violence against YouTubers uh, who don't like Star Wars because they think we don't respect women. We respect women. We just don't respect identity politics thrown into some place that it has no business being by people who push an agenda and shout down anybody that wants to present a relevant fact or a counterpoint to their arguments or their the basis for their nonsense in the first place, which is all the Star Wars has just kind of boiled down into is just a whole bunch of nonsense. And you've got Ryan Johnson and Pablo Hidalgo and Kathleen Kennedy and, you know, the Scott Mendelsons and all these just, you know, he had Dr. Morton Bay and boy, how quickly... Uh, his entire uh, scientific st uh, study was debunked um, by multiple um, sizable YouTube channels. 
Um, they, and people just took this apart uh, piece by piece, and not just YouTubers, um, you know, other actual critics. And then this Morton Bay is married. Uh, he's related to Bob Iger somehow. I mean, it, it's just, it's absolutely ridiculous nepotism on every level, uh, in every aspect. And, you know, God forbid if you don't uh, just uh, fall in line. Um, I mean, look at Chuck Windig. I mean, over at Marvel. You know, these people lash out at fans. You know, Ryan Johnson gets on Twitter and just lashes out at fans. And it's absolutely ridiculous. And then, you know, the fans are the toxic ones. You know, we're, we're toxic because we say we don't like a product. And what other business model or what other business would that model succeed? Um, we're going to put out a shitty product that you don't want and you're just going to buy it. Okay. And the fans are like, uh, no, we, we don't want that. Uh, we, we liked what we had. It was great. Um, why, why did you change it? Well, because, you know, diversity and inclusion, got to have that. That's more important than story or characters or anything else. Diversity. 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 Okay, um, we get it. Nobody, nobody said anything that we didn't want diversity. I, I don't, you know, it, it's, it's a very, uh, it's a very vast galaxy and there's millions of species out there in that Star Wars galaxy. Um, so who said you had to have 900 women on the bridge in, uh, the last Jedi, you know, did, did the entire, you know, it, it just, it doesn't matter if there's women, we, we don't care. That's fine. You know, Princess Leia is, she's, you know, the god empress of the Star Wars universe, as far as I'm concerned. Um, still, she just is. Um, Carrie Fisher was amazing. And what they did to that character, I just didn't agree with it. And now that they're going to do some posthumous CGI, it's just, for episode nine, it's just cringy. It's ridiculous. Um, they could have given her much more dignity than they did. And they just... At the sake of uh, money, of course, which makes the world go round. Um, it's ridiculous. And with Disney buying Marvel now, you can see I can correlate this to my earlier Captain Marvel segment. That this whole, I mean, it's like you get woke, you you know, get woke, go broke. Uh, Disney lost money on Star Wars last year. Let that sink in. They lost money. Uh, Solo lost money at the box office. Uh, the toys aren't selling. You see that. Everywhere on uh, YouTube, Facebook groups I'm in. These new toys are just stacks on racks on stacks on racks in wholesale stores. Uh, main retail stores have shrunk their Star Wars sections down to nothing um, to make more room for uh, in the Walmart I was in the other day. Uh, it was Jurassic World in uh, DC and then Marvel. In sandwiched in between DC and Jurassic World, there was a few Black Series figures, uh, a couple Blade Builders, and <clears throat> a couple just small little odds and ends. Um, but that was it. Uh, it's down to nothing there. Um, in the last mire I was in, that was about the same. Um, when the DC section has uh, more variety than your Star Wars You've got something wrong, you know. And then I went to the clearance uh, aisle, and there was about a half dozen Rose Ticos, 
actually a page, one page Tico, uh, and 24 uh, Funko Pop X-Wing Pilot bobbleheads in a six-pack, uh, which are absolute shit. Uh, so I wouldn't buy those. Um, and on clearance, they were still uh, 16 bucks. I'm like, that's, that's, you're, you're trying to rob me at that point. You know, um, you're robbing me. <laughs> that's, that's horrible. Oh, shame on you, Walmart. You know, you, uh, you, you eat small businesses up and chew them out, especially where I live. And, um, you know, you're, you're still on clearance. This is the best you can do for this garbage. You know, if they were like a dollar or, you know, maybe five bucks, I'd buy them and let my kid just say, you know, here, we can put these in the trebuchet with, uh, with your other, with Ray, um, and shoot them into the sun. But I'm not, I'm not spending $16 on Funko Pops. <laughs> you can get that right out of your head. But that's a state of Star Wars now. It's, uh, it's clearance, uh, clearance rack. And then they're releasing the, um, uh, retro line, uh, which are basically, you know, reproductions in retro packaging, but they have a uh, like a, a sticker on the package, uh, like the old Kenner uh, packaging used to look. You know, it's just like that, except there's a, an identifying mark, basically. Um, I don't think this is going to go well. I really don't. Um, I would much rather buy a used vintage figure um, as I'm sitting here in my office staring at 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14 boxes of... Uh, Star Wars merchandise I've collected, and uh, a few pieces on display. I've got a vintage uh, Jabba the Hutt complete throne with Salacious Crumb, um, the Rancor Monster, Rancor Keeper, two Gamorrean Guards, um, uh, Bib Fortuna. Uh, you know, there's Greedo, Reese, Yak Face. You know, I've, I've got a I've got a little gang here. Um, you know. But I, I won't buy anything new anymore. You know, I, I have bought some of the uh, the newer figures. I, I'm an Imperial freak, uh, and I did buy, um, what, uh, how many? Probably a dozen of the First Order Stormtroopers uh, because I, I like my troopers. I really do. I have uh, a big amount of clones and vintage Stormtroopers. I actually just took uh, about 20, 20 uh, vintage Hoth Stormtroopers, um, and a General Veers, uh, along with a, uh, an ATST Scout Walker and some uh, heavy gun um, uh, artillery setups uh, with uh, a bunch of Hoth Rebels, uh, the Ion, one of the, a couple of the little uh, Ion cannons and stuff like that, and uh, set them up in a snow fort I built for my son uh, and just stage a little photo shoot, some of my vintage figures, some of the groups I'm in. This is the kind of Star Wars fan that I am. Uh, you know, I, I, I love this. Um, I used to have an entire room uh, with all my figures displayed in their various different settings. I had my bounty hunters, Jabba's gang, Jabba's goons, you know, Klaatu, uh, Nikto, um, you know, uh, Bib Fortuna, all, all these guys. Uh, you know, they're Weequay. Um, they're all there. I have them, you know. Uh, I had my Imperials. I have, you know, what, uh, 12 uh, vintage uh, Red Royal Guards, uh, three vintage uh, Emperors. I mean, you know, uh, Darth Vader's TIE Fighter. You know, I have all this stuff I've collected. Um, 
and it's all the the I have some like I said I have some moderns too. Uh, I bought a bunch of Power of the Force uh, figures that were still in the original packaging, and um, I opened them all, and I played with them with my kid um, because I had them displayed and I wouldn't let him touch them. I would let him go into the room, and he could walk around. And at three years old, he was very good with it. He wouldn't touch anything unless I allowed him to. Um, but then I took uh, I took in. When we moved, I had them all packed up, and I just haven't unpacked them and displayed them yet um, because I've been so busy with everything else and uh, trying to get this podcast going. So I have a certain amount, but we'll take them out of the boxes, and uh, we'll go out and we'll just play with them in the living room. I took uh, the uh, Empire Strikes Back Rebel Transport I have in the original box. Uh, Not complete, almost, missing a few pieces, but I've had it since 1983. Uh, I'm 38 years old and uh, I take it out of the box and it's filled with about what uh, probably 45 to 50 Hoth rebel soldiers uh, two X-wing pilots and uh, 17 Wookiees uh, 14 of those vintage and I laid them out in the living room and here you go son have fun and just let them play with them you know there's a lot of collectors that would shriek in horror at that but uh, these are toys and, um, you know, my, my, my goal when I started collecting again was I wanted to get a lot of the stuff that I never had as a kid, but I also wanted to be able to give my son all the things that I could never have as a kid. That was the main goal. And that's kind of why I have it. And it'll be something really neat for him, me to give to him, um, because he's already a Star Wars fan. He was Darth Sidious for Halloween last year. Not Kylo Ren. Not not Poe, not Finn. You know, he didn't want to be General Hux. He wanted to be Darth Sidious. So my my mom expertly uh, sewed a Darth Sidious uh, cloak for him. Um, I got him his little red lightsaber, you know, kind of a Revenge of the Sith-esque um, because he's too young to do the makeup on. But yeah, um, <clears throat> you know... Uh, expertly he already calls the last jedi the last dumpster fire i don't know where he picked that up um but yeah we we don't uh we don't watch uh, my wife bought me all the the blu-rays um except for soylo um which we watched on netflix because it was free um so we watched it on there and i suffered through it uh once with uh, my son and then after he went to watch it with my wife and uh we both she, and she's she's a uh, a casual star wars fan she she'll watch it whenever i have it on um but uh yeah um she was bored didn't like it uh didn't like uh alden Ehrenreich's portrayal of uh han solo thought he was ba- basically she called him ineffectual and weak um and this is coming from uh, a, a, a woman who is not a feminist, um, but just can recognize a weak, ineffectual uh, character. Um, not Alden Ehrenreich as a man, um, but just the character, his portrayal, uh, the way it was written. Uh, he was weak, and it showed, and that's not who Han Solo was. And The Force Awakens tried to make him out to be this feeble old man. And uh, Ray was fixing things on the Millennium Falcon that Han Solo didn't even know how to fix, even though it was his ship for how many years? It's absolutely ridiculous. This is why I hate Disney Star Wars. I will, uh, I'll I'll dive into uh, Jake Skywalker 
Um, for those of you who don't know, that's that's what Luke Skywalker is. He's Jake Skywalker. He's not Luke anymore. He's become this other thing um, that is no longer Luke Skywalker, uh, especially under the writing of Ryan Johnson, who could not write a community theater play and make it not suck in layman's terms. Uh, Ryan Johnson is the worst thing to happen to Star Wars. Um, he's so bad that he makes, uh, it makes the holiday special look amazing. Um, and for those of you who've never seen the Star Wars holiday special, uh, I recommend looking it up on YouTube um, and drinking heavily um, or whatever you need to do to dull your uh, your senses while you view the utter horror that is the Star Wars Holiday Special, but keeping in mind, knowing with absolute certainty that it is 100% better than The Last Jedi. And that's where I think I will leave it right now. Uh, I'll be back tomorrow with uh, some more. uh, We'll talk some more Marvel. We'll talk a little more Star Wars. I'll dive a little bit more in-depth into some things in particular in Star Wars that uh, I'm going to start to dissect uh, we'll do uh, episode 10 of season 9, Omega, Review for the Walking Dead. Uh, thank you for joining me on episode 1 of The Place to Be Reviews. I am Pete. I will see you on the flip side. Quick, quick add-on before I let you guys go for the evening. I forgot. Um, I'm going to make this as big as you guys let me. Um, I'm going to make this available within the coming weeks and months as I upgrade my equipment. Uh, This is going to be available on multiple platforms. Uh, Right now I'm on Anchor. Um, I'm set up to go on Podbean. Um, YouTube is in the pipes. Uh, I'm working on that. Um, It's just getting all my equipment together. Uh, Funds are there. Just got to find the right right gear that I need to be able to make this work for you guys. uh, Because I really want to do videos as well as the podcast. Um... So there's a lot of things, you know, I'm going to have guests on. So it's not just me talking because I don't even want to hear myself talk this much. But to get it started, this is what it's going to be. Um, But I I will be talking pro wrestling. Um, There's a few TV shows, like I said, we're going to talk about. uh, Some that uh, have been on the air that aren't on anymore. You know, Seinfeld, The Office, uh, things like that. uh, To shows on now, current stuff. Um, I'm really into Manifest. Uh, But that's another episode altogether, so just check it out. Uh, Like, subscribe, share, uh, tell your friends, tell your family. Uh, We're going to do the thing, and uh, like I said, I want to grow this with you guys. So thank you very much for listening, and oh yeah, I would be remiss if I didn't say, I'm going to leave you with a little outro music. I'm not going to announce it tonight, just enjoy. Have a good one. Catch you on the flip side.